Peter Crone is an absolute wizard. The first podcast I did with him really changed my life and is one of the most popular podcasts I've ever recorded, and for good reason. His ability to articulate certain aspects of the mind makes it really easy to understand why he got the moniker the mind architect because he is putting in some scaffolding and some understanding of things that we'll be able to take with us forever so there's an incredible amount of value in this podcast and i can't wait to share it all with you but before we get started i want to talk to you guys once more about vincero watches so if you want to hear a great success story about entrepreneurs doing the right things and coming out with an amazing brand like check out the story behind Vincero watches and how it was created. They really went all in to just make the best watches they could. And that's how you find success is go completely all in on a product you believe in. And what they believed in was creating stunning looking watches that function impeccably that are reasonably affordable. So you get all of the pop from having a really dope watch without having to drop the obscene prices that you might find for something like a Rolex. So Check it out. I think you guys are going to love these watches. They got a two-year warranty. There's 21,000 five-star reviews. I mean, these watches are absolutely legit. And if you check it out, go to vincerowatches.com slash Aubrey. You'll be able to get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. And of course, there's that two-year warranty. So for sure, check it out. There's going to be a watch that you're going to like. If it's a gift, there's engraving that's possible. There's all kinds of things you can do as a gift of Vincero watches. And I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast and supports my sponsors. So thank you so much. It's V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com slash Aubrey. Peter, welcome back, my man. Thank you, sir. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you again as well. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. A few things have happened not much i mean i don't i don't keep an eye on what's going on out there you tell me what's yeah, what well, have i missed you know, you know, just a few things in the collective i got married you know that is a big thing it's yeah. a big thing congratulations that's beautiful yeah i appreciate that man i'm excited to meet uh your other half i know she's uh your other whole should i say the, ooh, 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 tweetable okay <laughs> dropping fire straight, <laughs> straight out, away, of, the out of the gates <laughs> you complete me no uh, you don't no you don't i'm complete complete wow superimposition of two complete spheres did we just revolutionize what it means to be in a relationship i think so and it's i think that's the whole point of this idea of sacred union right it's this idea that it's not two broken halves that just happen to fit together it's like no these are two complete sovereign beings and i love where this is going already those two people can sometimes come together and mm -hmm. just make an even stronger force exponentially yeah. so potentially because those that energy kind of mingles and that's certainly what we've found is just yeah. the healing potential the growth the you know doubling up on our mission on all of the things that we care about and the support for each other it's been yeah. really an exponential boon as it should be i'm very happy for thank you, my you. Friend. and she's uh she's a lucky gal and, and i'm a lucky guy and you'll get to meet her at some point I, she's I, out somewhere in the in the back wait. of this fine abode to share here. my epiphany of like i can't <laughs> wait to meet your other hole uh, your other hole <laughs> which you know <laughs> you might have to rephrase that <laughs> you gotta really you gotta make it instead of a soft w yeah, you yeah. need to make it a hard wall <laughs> the other wall <laughs> i gotta work on that that's just download through me so i still gotta refine the way i deliver it that's okay the intention is pure uh-huh it was indeed well what i wanted to talk to you about for the most part is you know as things happen in the collective mm -hmm. you know as within so without also yes. goes conversely as without so within all of these different pressures that we've had to kind of deal with mm -hmm. and absorb and feel and 
be a part of it. it's definitely what i've seen it's brought a lot of stuff up in a lot of the personal connections that i've had like people yeah. who've had repressed traumas people who've had tendencies to go towards fear or go towards ego or go towards you know some of these vulnerabilities in the psyche yeah. it seems to have this you know universal pressure seemed to have lifted these things to the surface and so i was curious to talk to you about like what you've seen on the personal level uh definitely a lot of that it's like the great expose right mm -hmm. that um one of my favorite quotes um like you i'm sort of finishing my book You've, you've got a book already or a couple I, I do yeah yeah own the day own your life it's mostly about the physical body dives into the mental body but i'm going to go straight into the mental body in the next book okay nice hopefully it doesn't have too many of my ideas because then my <laughs> book will suck <laughs> i'm stealing everything i can okay i'm glad we i'm gonna be stupid today no it's just about positive and negative you know what i mean just yeah. be positive yeah it's like that wow this podcast yeah, this, this guy is amazing um so anyway the quote that i was going to cite is to your point about all the things that are coming to the surface i say that life will present you with people and circumstance to reveal where you're not free mm. so with everything that's transpired certainly in my own sort of hibernation that we've all been experiencing i'm just noticing how much of these deep-seated fears constraints insecurities inadequacies are bubbling to the surface by virtue of what seems like this external problem right it's always occurs as though it's out there it's the virus like everyone's scared of the virus and i did a video right at the beginning because people were asking me to sort of contribute and support and help and i said you've got to understand covid doesn't have any fear <laughs> it's there's, it's not creating fear it's just not it's revealing the fear and despair that's already there yeah so for that reason i see it as a gift you know which to recontextualize for a lot of people who've really been hurt by it and i don't want to belittle that or in any way dismiss it because aside from the deaths and that's a whole conversation in and of itself right the accuracy to it and the sure. pre-con the, the pre-existing conditions that people had that made them much more susceptible to it and all of that there's so many factors but you know people's livelihoods have been ruined you know livelihoods the, and some people have indeed gotten really sick with yeah a very strange virus absolutely COVID-19 you know yeah. so that that is a, it is a real thing yes I'm not denying the presence of it exactly it's just there's so many combined uh sort of contributing factors right like you, you're familiar with Zach Bush who I really respect uh, as a doctor who can mm -hmm. speak to these things way more professionally than either of us but him being able to put the various players together you know the presence of a virus the fact that the majority of people who had some sort of comorbidity pre-existing conditions their immune systems were compromised whether they were hypertension uh, patients or they had diabetes or cardiac disease all of which had some sort of unifying thread of maybe statins and these ACE inhibitors like high, you know hypertension medications mm -hmm. which themselves upregulate the ACE2 receptor which is itself the access point you know what I mean like so to what degree a lot of things that are contributing to someone's susceptibility which going back to my point about it being a gift is I get the fear that's come to the surface that itself is a gift because then we get to re reconcile it and see where it's actually coming from which is an inherent part of being a sentient being and we want to survive right like that's the ultimate fear any fear that anyone has ultimately is which we'll probably touch on today the fear of death that's the big one right this that's, is revealed you know this is revealed how we go 
blindly kicking and screaming, la, 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 hands covering our eyes, plugging our ears, saying, yeah. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. Right. Sorry, you're going to die. Yeah. I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. Like That's the reality of the nature of our existence. And if you look at that like the Stoics did or like the Samurai did, Memento Mori or the you know Bushido Code, it's like yeah. the first rule, lesson of the Samurai, remember that you were going to die. Yeah. Like all of these really elevated warrior cultures kind of recognize like look we got to deal with this thing otherwise yeah. fear is going to be the acting force on our actions yes and we're not going to be efficient at all as human beings or as warriors and what a wonderful conduit of this virus because the emphasis the ticker on every tv screen has been death yeah and it's the one thing that every human being as you said so um accurately wants to sort of deny ignore postpone certainly not really embrace yeah um and i think it's a beautiful conversation to be had there's a book called the upanishads which is an extension of advaita vedanta right so it was this oral lineage where mm -hmm. the seers or the gurus or the sages would sit in the woods and they would have this narrative about the deeper questions of life and in the upanishads there's one called the katha upanishad k-a-t-h-a mm -hmm. and it's arguably my favorite because it speaks about death and this boy goes to meet the god of death to engage and understand what is this thing and there's a very powerful line that i'm sort of paraphrasing but it's the ultimate form of reconciliation of death is to have the death of death itself hmm. and it's so beautiful because as you're saying in a different way when we can actually integrate accept recognize that's an inextricable part of life you know the duality the yin and the yang of birth hence death yeah right good hence bad right wrong all of the things that we live in in this sort of dualistic ex experience which is part of the problem right because it creates this polarization and what i feel we're headed towards is the transcendence of all of that certainly my work is to get beyond the duality in whatever that's form that's yeah. freedom right yeah and that is that vita vedanta non-dualistic approach so that is the integration of death is by recognizing well if i'm going to have birth which is obviously something that you know i said everybody wants or has because you're here then you by default have already accepted death it's like I don't step in front, of, in front of a mirror and then not see a reflection. <laughs> mm. It's inextricably connected. We're already dead. <clears throat> right. It, we just, it just hasn't happened yet. The, the, you know, the, the moment we're born, we're dead. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so the only illusion is time yeah, is one of my exactly. favorite quotes, right? Like, so um, it's our relationship to time and that's where all of these emotions come from, right? Fear, what is fear? As an acronym, people use the expression future events appearing real. And I sort of twisted that a little bit and say it's the fear experienced as reality. Oh, great. I can steal that from my book. Yeah, put that in. <laughs> you know that I, I had I this great, I modified, <laughs> I modified this acronym. Yeah. I just had this real download one day in Venice. Really profound. I was in this deep meditation. I'd done ayahuasca, kombu. I'd done a whole bunch of shit, which is the only way I would have accessed something so profound. It wasn't from that Peter Crone guy. No. No. That's no. almost cited. it. Not from Peter Crone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you, exactly. You give uh -huh. attribution to certain people. But my quote no, this is not from Peter. Um, so <laughs> thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So if you look at the actual context of past and future, it's a bizarre thought when most people hear it, but they actually only occur in present. Mm -hmm. 
you're never actually in your history and you're never in your future. They're only conversations. They exist only in language. They're constructs. Exactly. Yeah. Based in words, which, you know, if we want to get really esoteric, is really a form of vibration. So as vibrational sentient beings in a vibrational universe, if I have a vibrational conversation in my head about a future that I'm perceiving that's not good, then guess what's going to happen? I'm in a state of resistance. Therefore, I'm in a state of suffering. Therefore, it is the precursor to dis-ease or it is disease creating disease. Mm -hmm. You can use that in the book. <laughs> I, it might be too deep for me, Peter. <laughs> right, yeah. I, might, I don't even know if I can follow that. the second book. I'll take my time. I'll pump the yeah. brakes. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that, though. Yeah. So, you know, when I really got that, it's like I ask people, especially clients, like, when does, where does the future occur? Where? And most people are like, well, it's, it's sort of out there somewhere. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's with you right now between your ears, right? Yeah. In, and when you really get that, especially because, you know, I work with a lot of pro athletes, it's helping them understand that the very thing that they're trying to avoid, they already are experiencing. And now they're just taking this adaptation response or this approach, a strategy, a behavioral adaptation to a concern of a future that hasn't happened yet, modifying who they are, which is now an aberration of who they are naturally as a talented athlete, mm -hmm. because they're trying to avoid a future that they've forgotten, that they projected and made up. And then they wonder why they're not actually, quote unquote, realizing their potential. Well, because you've literally become a different person in order to survive a fictitious idea that you created, that you forgot that you created. Yep. All right. So, so how about <laughs> not this? Sure I this is something that. that I've personally struggled with because yeah. one, of the, one of the ways that you deal with fear is exposure and response therapy, right? Like, mm -hmm. so if you're afraid of something, you immerse yourself in that thing and eventually it becomes less scary. And I've, That's watched, one approach, yeah. I've watched myself go through that same process of mm -hmm. like this thing in, that's a potential in the future is terrifying so you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna live it yes i'm gonna live it i'm gonna eat it until i'm sick of it i'm gonna smell it i'm gonna look at it i'm gonna rub it in my face until yeah. i'm like okay i'm actually cool with this however there's tons of stuff that i'm scared about so yeah. If I continually do that, I'm continually living in that future reality in my head where I'm having to deal with something that's most likely not going to happen just so I can lessen the fear of it happening. Yes. And it doesn't seem to be the most efficient way to do it. works. You know, it will get you over your fear. Yeah. But it's putting you in a position where you're having to live all of these different realities that are unsavory at very best yeah and uncomfortable and i think that just speaks to your tolerance level your dedication your discipline your sort of fortitude right is that you're somebody who recognizes one the relationship that you have with your own fears which is great that's a degree of we could say evolved beingness that you're like not trying to avoid it numb it you know eat it away smoke I go it away towards it Right. You know, I really, I really do, but it's still uncomfortable. But that's part of your conditioning is what I'm right. saying, right? So you just happen to have, that is your approach. That mm -hmm. is your reaction to concern fear. For other people, it's aversion, it's escape, right? right. Whether it's through substance or denial or um, being, you know, somebody who's living in a world that is so confined and in this bubble of self-protection that they're under the impression that they're never going to have to face any of the things they're concerned about not realizing that the very things they're concerned about are right between their ears, right? Mm -hmm. It's not out there. This is why this whole virus thing to me is, again, why I said I use the word gift because I think it is the um, opportunity for death, right? It is an awakening invitation. It's a hall of mirrors, like that Bruce Lee entered the dragon scene where there's mirrors and illusions everywhere. And everywhere yeah. you look, you're seeing some part of yourself yes. on display. 
inner outer, as you said. So it's really, you know, I was thinking about it the other day because I love using analogies and metaphors. And it's like, what does it really, what does it really expose about us as a species? I think number one, and no one could really just sort of agree with this or argue, is the fact that as a society, we're incredibly unhealthy. That's number one. Right. Like, so as much as you might look at the New York Times and go, okay, 100,000 deaths, to what degree those are accurate reflections, it doesn't really matter. It's still a lot of people and there's a lot of suffering and sadness as it relates to their family members and who's been affected. But millions of people die every year of cardiac disease, diabetes, you know, cancers, right? And that's not considered a pandemic. We certainly don't put $2 trillion down to in whatever way we can. Not that all that $2 trillion is, you know, given to fighting the virus, but, you know, billions of dollars are being given to pharma right now to come up with a cure for a virus. And I'm like, okay, well, if we were to take that same situation and superimpose it onto technology, which we deal with every day, right? Meaning the term a virus is something that most people have had to deal with at some level, whether it's in your spam, in your email, whatever it is, or in, it, it corrupts some of your code. Yep. The evolved approach within technology is not let's kill the virus. <laughs> what do you do? You upgrade at the Security. system. Yep. You make the software more robust such that you are no longer at the effect of some exogenous stimulus. Yep. Now, maybe I'm just too simplistic in my approach, but I'm like, we've got an unhealthy society. The majority, not denying there's been some outliers, but the majority of people affected by this exogenous virus are already compromised. So then why wouldn't we recognize, wow, what an opportunity, what an awakening to go, who doesn't want to be more vibrant? I mean, the number of people yeah. that I get approached by who, albeit I'm looking at the mind, want to be healthy. They recognize I was a celebrity trainer many years ago in a former career. And they're like, oh, can you help me get in shape? Like people aren't walking around going, mm, do you have the celebrity secret for some sort of disorder that I can create? Mm -hmm. You know, or you don't see a friend who's put on a ton of weight and go, oh my God, you look amazing. What's your secret? <laughs> yeah. Or someone's skin is just awful. It's like, you've got to tell me what products you're using. <laughs> yeah. Right? Totally. Right? We are naturally drawn to wanting to be vital, alive beings. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, wouldn't it make more sense as an opportunity? And I think a lot of people are embracing this to recognize, wow, how can we best support? How can we best educate? How can we best inspire our collective society to upregulate its vitality such that we become more robust as a species because this isn't going to be the last virus there's tens to the thousands of viruses out there the majority or many of which are in us because we've integrated right we're a hodgepodge of bacteria and viruses thank god because mm -hmm. that's actually what helps like things like mitochondria to function the breakdown of the food that we eat you know the the microbiome now that's a very popular topic of conversation in health yep. world so to be able to recognize, wow, what is the opportunity here is to see that we are not very healthy mentally, emotionally, and certainly not physiologically. So that's that's the way for me to reframe this and recognize it is a death. Unfortunately, there is death actually happening, but it is the death of old constructs that no longer serve us, just as, to use the techno te uh, technology analogy, it would be the death of an operating system. I'm not... No one in their right mind would keep the software as it is, see the incremental increase of external stress because of workload, consumer demand, 
things to process and go, no, 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 no. We're going to keep this exactly the way it is. And we're just going to keep killing off the things that are coming at us. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, we've now got artificial intelligence. That is a massive leap in terms of technological advancement. So what is the version of that in a human being is what I'm interested in. And that's what my whole work is dedicated to is the birth of a new type of human being who comes from these, what I consider inherent qualities of love, of kindness, of unity, of vitality. That yeah. is our birthright. It's, we, it's, 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 it's something that is already flowing towards us. It's what degree do we destruct that, block it, inhibit it, uh, in any way suppress it. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm committed to. So as everybody knows, I'm recently married, and that opened me up to this new sponsor, Groove Life, which makes the dopest silicone rings. Because I have a nice ring that's silver and has a sapphire in it, and I really love it. But I don't like wearing metal rings all the time, especially if I'm training or just banging around the house, doing whatever. So I have a bunch of Groove rings that are awesome. Now, they're called Groove Rings because they patented a technology. They actually carved grooves on the inside of the ring so it doesn't sweat, so it lets air in and channels moisture out so you don't get a little sweaty band on your finger. And they're super stylish. They look great. They feel great. I can do absolutely everything in them. And it's no surprise that Olympic athletes, championship bull riders, Joe Rogan, like everybody who is really moving and doing things and still wants a dope ring that looks good, are choosing these groove rings. I have a set of 10 of them and I wear different ones. You know, I mean, I think this idea of having one type of wedding band is great for your big fancy ring or whatever that kind of flagship wedding band that you have. But with these silicone rings, you can just mix it up. So I got a gray one that I love. I got a black one. I got a charcoal one. I got some ones that kind of look a little bit more like wood with some blue in them. There's just a lot of awesome rings. And my favorite are probably the Zeus style, their new ring. And there's just so many to choose from. So if you're married, if you're a dude, this is the way to go to get some of these. And I promise you won't be disappointed. It's probably why there's 65,000 five-star reviews. I mean, these things are as legit as they come. So go to GrooveLife.com, just as it sounds, GrooveLife.com, and use the code AMP, get 15% off, and you're not going to regret it. GrooveLife.com, use the code AMP for 15% off. It's almost like we're in this last spasm of the old construct, Mm -hmm. where it's like double down, double down, double down on the old, you know, like more more different you know cures in a pill or cures cures in an injection forget about the health of the human let's take everybody out of nature out of community both of which have an innumerable studies showing showing that it creates a robust human organism let's restrict all that lock them in their house make sure they can get access to as much alcohol as they can and we'll (laughs) ride this motherfucker out which is this this just old it's a spasm of the old construct absolutely but at the same time there's a a swelling of people going like this really doesn't make sense because the desperation of this spasm is like whoa 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 this is now way too far and as i was telling you earlier like we're also now aware of how much resource can be created yeah you know like we just created two trillion dollars like poof right we had that so yeah. all right what if we applied that to you know healthy food in every school and, and, and yeah. giving access to everything and you know access to different farms and vegetables and you know healthy meats and produce and all of the different things that we could do and supplying that and then also educating people on 
all of the things that we know to be beneficial like yeah so i think all of that is all of that is good but nonetheless one of the things that's causing people to reach for this double down on this old paradigm is our inability to deal with fear yes and just in and of itself Mm -hmm. and still like as i was saying like for me exposure and response therapy is the way to do it the first time i encountered really encountered my fear of death was my very first ayahuasca journey Mm -hmm. it had me go through a variety of different scenarios where bugs were crawling in my eyes and exploding out of my ears and i was like that's horrid (laughs) right you know then i was sliding down a vine of thorns naked it was eviscerating me genitals first i was like that's horrid right but i was still okay with all of that there was eels coming in and eating my organs from like my stomach and then finally i was like okay you're cool with all that now you got cancer and i was like no 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 like that's not cool like i'm not cool with that my uncle died of cancer you know i had a personal yeah yeah, personal aversion to it yeah and eventually i had to sit with it for like two hours yeah and the person next to me had puked on my socks it was a completely miserable experience (laughs) i'm sitting with this and finally i was like fuck it like i accept it i went through all of the things all of the potential Mm -hmm. treatments am i going to do chemo am i not going to do chemo am i going to try you know to harness the power of the mind and you know because i was still very aware of the placebo effect and how we can harness that for ourselves even at that point the first time i did i was like going through all these scenarios what my resistance was whatever yeah but none of that was working i was still terrified until finally i was like all right if i got it i got it if i die i die i've lived a good life so far and yeah and as soon as i did that ayahuasca like embraced me like a like from the movie avatar where awa just puts all the tendrils hugs me back into the earth and i was like I was like you don't have it silly you're healthy and yeah. i was like oh man <laughs> wow but anyways so that's the same model that yes. i use for all of the stuff that i have for the most part is like all right if i just sit in this and accept it long enough yeah then i'll get over it and it won't it won't kind of affect me in the same way but i'm just curious is there a way to accept it without having to feel it to without the, having to have thorns go through your genitals yeah. and eels in your stomach <laughs> well no, that's not. the only way buddy <laughs> Sorry. damn it i gotta really slide down the vine of thorns. that's yeah isn't that like sounds like a game show <laughs> what was that yes. show where they had to bounce on the red balls like oh yeah the, do you remember that uh, it's hysterical swipe out swipe wipe out that was it yeah no i mean look what you shared is so beautiful and i could talk talk for a long time about cancer itself as a conversation my mom you know passed when i was seven of cancer um but what i really want to for the audience to point out and what you just shared that so i think the real crux of what you got is when you you put your hands down and go all right fuck it you know it's like mm-hmm. there's that surrender surrender so what is surrender surrender is the byproduct of the release of resistance right so surrender is which may sound like a very short not to mention weird sentence but surrender, surrender is acceptance is it's already there pre-exists What's in the way of that is my personal, meaning you, anyone, um, perspective of how I want things to be. Mm. And when you really get the audacity that one individual mind believes it knows how the universe should function on its behalf, it's kind of comical. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get the memo that you're fucking in charge of the universe. Allow me, you know, tell me my marching orders. How am Mm. I supposed to behave to make you happy? So the fear that you had around cancer based on a family member who you lost, your uncle, you said, Mm -hmm. 
So what you were actually fighting your version of cancer was the fear of an event that hasn't happened, right? This is why I said the virus doesn't have any, it doesn't create any fear. It just reveals the fear that people already have, which is in this case, particularly associated around death. But it's not death of them, it's the death of their persona, the death of their identity, the death of their beliefs, their aspirations. Mm -hmm. But boy, is it so liberating when you can get over that crap. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievably just, so. Right? That yeah. is awakening. That is moksha. That is enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. Is where, and that is my, my passion. If there's something that fires me up, it's like getting somebody on the other side of their constraints, getting somebody on the other side of their fears and limitations. That's really my whole work. Yeah. But most people are doing everything they can to hold on to them, like with this vice-like grip of like, no, no, no. I'm going to prove to you that I'm, I'm a not good enough human being. You know, it's like, wow, that's super inspiring. <laughs> and you wonder, why tenacious. <laughs> you wonder why your relationships aren't awesome and you're not making the money that you'd like to make, uh -huh. right? Because you're, you're not wanting to die to the illusion of inadequacy for which you've got all the evidence from your history because of the way that your parents spoke to you or because you were picked last in a particular sports team or because your high school coach spoke to you in a certain tone and you felt that you were a failure. You know, some of the things actually that we talked about with you and when you were 17 in that game, right? And you yeah. pulled out of the game last minute and you made that mean something something about you as you'd let people down you know and then yeah. you carry that as this sort of emotional burden which then dictates your thoughts your feelings your actions and consequently your results it's a natural cascade so what is the real excitement for me about death it is the death of the idea of yourself not the death of who you are it's quite the antithesis because the death of the idea of yourself is actually the precursor to the life of your true self mm. I mean, when you really get that, yeah. it's like, holy shit, like, why wouldn't I want to continu continually die to the illusion of who I am that is really just an inherited narrative, primal uh, for some of us, like, you know, humans have these primal survival mechanisms, and then we've got all of our anecdotal sort of pers personified versions of that because our uncle said this, and my my mom said that, or my parents divorced here. And you've got the evidence as to why you don't feel like you're enough or you're not wanted or you're not going to be okay. But it's really that the life you're looking to access is on the other side of these deep, deep seated subconscious patterns of inadequacy and insecurity that you ironically don't, you know, through no fault of your own, are trying to defend or disprove or hide, right. which is all the while just reinforcing. Yeah. So that to me is what, to come back to your original question, what's coming to the surface with all of my clients and friends and people I'm supporting is these deep-seated fears that are all self-projections, the inner fight, the inner battle, the inner virus, the inner cancer that is where I'm not trusting. I'm not in a position of surrender like you after you've slipped down your you know, prickly vines. <laughs> <laughs> an image that I now I'm going to have to work on, get out of my head. But anyway, <laughs> to, to find that sense of true liberation on the other uh -huh. side of any concerns yeah. that really are very deep seated and part of like the human tapestry, which for reason there's just compassion and, and kindness to one another, that we're all doing the best we can within the limits of our own awareness. And now we've got a lot more awareness. And so we can expand, we can up level our own technology and our own uh, narratives, our own programming. It's literally having a, a greater operating system that is not um, vulnerable to some exogenous source, whether it's, you know, 
a virus or the bankruptcy of something or the loss of something. It's like, no, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. This is actually something that is a catalyst for my own growth for which I'm grateful. Yeah. We've talked a bit about the death of the body. And the, yeah. in some ways you could look at the body as a construct. It seems very real. We can touch it, mm-hmm. whatever, but it's an, it's an idea, you know, still. It's an interface. Actually, yeah. yeah, it's an interface. And, and you can really look at it from different perspectives and see that it's yeah. mostly just molecules and energy frequency vibration like look at all these things that's actually happening we're mostly empty space exactly you know, if you From actually level, that, it's yeah so space. <laughs> it starts to get a little squirrely there but it's real yeah. enough you yeah. know and that's a real real enough part of us and similar similarly it seems that our identity construct yeah when you know, call it your ego but i prefer calling it your identity construct yeah is also something that we're willing to fight to preserve yeah whatever we believe our identity to be we'll fight to preserve that similarly to how we'll fight for our to preserve our body yes it's like we think that's us our yes. mind thinks it's, it's this certain identity and so when something challenges that because maybe we're not as effective as we want to be or maybe we're not as perceived you know in quotes good as we think we are or, or all of these things something is challenged about our identity yeah we will treat that like we do like we treat our own fear of our physical body dying and yeah and that's why people fight because it's a perceived threat yeah. If somebody says something that is in conflict with your own beliefs about yourself, even if it's a compliment, right? Like if we look at it at the most benign level of somebody saying, oh, you look beautiful. But if that person's view of themselves is I'm not pretty and, you know, it's a girl who maybe was made fun of or maybe was heavier when she was in middle school or whatever it was and girls can be mean. And now she has a construct where she feels that, oh, I'm not pretty. And somebody pays a compliment because she's wearing a gown. She can't receive that. Because what she's actually hearing is her own belief of herself and how it's in conflict with what that person just said, which when you really break it down is like a a disservice to both people, right? Because what she's doing, like most people, is just being right about her own view of herself, which is the defense mechanism that Mm -hmm. people have. I'll prove to you that I can fuck up my life, right? That's that's awesome. How do I sign up for your program? (laughs) You know, and then so... So she's denying herself her own beauty as a human being and a unique uh-huh. expression of life. And then she's also denying, in this totally hypothetical scenario, denying the person's view of her. So you're actually negating somebody's self-expression, right? So, and it goes the other way, right? If someone would say, wow, you know, and I get a lot of beautiful DMs, as I'm sure you do, and like, you know, wow, thank you, you changed my life. And, you know, there may be a spattering. I'm fortunate. I've only, I think, had two so far. And maybe now I'm inviting more by saying that. But, you know, like where, oh, you know, I don't think what you said was accurate. Whatever. Yeah. It's not really even harsh, but it's like, it's, but it's somebody's opinion. And I, I, I can listen. It's fine. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that everything I'm sharing is gospel or it's just, it's just my perspective. So it's being able to listen is such a gift, both for self and other, that we can allow things to be there without having this sort of harsh reaction to life. Yeah. Right. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind in everything that you just shared is that, yes, we're defending a perspective that itself by, by design is a conversation. We really are walking conversations. Even to say, I'm Peter Crone, it's not a truth. It's convenient, you know, because yeah. like I can file taxes under that name. And if someone sees me across the street, like, hey, Peter, it's like, I'm not going to ignore them because it like <laughs> yeah. resonates with my own narrative, right? Uh-huh. But it's not who I am. I was a baby before I knew that I was British or Peter or... Right? These are all constructs that are superimposed on top. Again, they're pretty benign. They don't actually do anything. It's just a, to locate me in time and space. 
But the things that are detrimental and damaging are the constructs that are sort of the self-loathing, the restrictions, the in inadequacies, the insecurities. And that is what I find most fascinating about, you call it the identity, I call it the ego or persona, where we will defend and fight for the limitations. It reminds me of a story. My first pro athlete was a PGA Tour golfer. Super talented. This is now like almost 15 years ago. So it was, it was interesting for me. It was exciting because I was like, oh, I get to work with pro athletes. And we did very well in the first year. He was two, two plus times his average. So he made about 1.1 million as an average without me. Made 2.5 in our first year together. So, you know, if you're a business and you're 200% fold, that's, that's good. That's great. And then the next year was 3.5. So it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. But he'd never quite cracked into like getting another win. He'd had a lot of second places and was making, you know, plenty of cash. So he said, well, why don't you caddy for me? So, <laughs> so you can see what's actually going on inside of the ropes, right? Because you're doing a lot of preparation for me. And I'm, his, his relationship with his wife was phenomenal. They were on the verge of divorce when I met. And then they celebrated 10-year anniversary. Like there was some real wins in his life as yeah. a whole. But I was caddying for him. And this particular hole, he had, you know, a decent shot to the green. It wasn't great. And he probably left himself a bit of a squirrely 30-foot putt, right? And it wasn't the best part of his game. And so he turned around to me and he said, watch me three-putt this. Now, <laughs> for those of you who are not educated in golf, that's not something you want to do. Right? <laughs> and allow me to explain. You know, ideally, you want to do one. That's called a birdie, right? If you're one under par. Yeah. And then worst case, you know, you do a nice lag putt. You tap it in. You walk away with par and you hopefully have a better shot in the next hole. Mm -hmm. So what it really revealed is where in a very unconscious, self-preserving way, his identity was saying, look, at the deepest level, his one of his constructs is I can watch me fuck it up or I'm a failure. So that particular dialogue that he shared with me of watch me three part this was a survival mechanism in language. Because what he's saying is I'm scared I have a history of messing things up, but the way that I'm going to offset that and mitigate it is by telling you that I might mess it up. So at worst, at least I don't look bad. Now, if you can follow the cascade of that behavioral adaptation, it's very human, for which reason there's just nothing but compassion and love, which is all mm -hmm. I held for him. But it helped us have such a profound conversation. I said, do you even realize what you're saying? Mm -hmm. you, do you want that? Of course you don't, you know? It's when people say it's too good to be true. It's like, I mean, what are you, what are you trying to convince me of? That your life is about to suck and that I should support that? You know, yeah. it's like, so, so it really is very insidious. It's so complex, but at the same time, so simple to understand that these deep narratives that are really, as I said, inherited, they're primal. And, and actually, the book that I'm writing, and now that you're writing on my behalf, <laughs> <laughs> I've delineated what I consider the 10 fundamental constraints that we all live within. You know, like yeah. I'm not enough being one of them. And I'll make sure that I email you all of the others. So Please, include thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, so it, it's it, there's an innocence about it, right? Like it's like we're just humans doing the best we can. And fundamentally beneath that, what are we all looking for? Love and acceptance. Why? Because I would assert that our primal, primal intention is a sense of belonging because we are, quote unquote, all connected. There's this unity that already exists. We are already related. There's something in the way of that. Why relationships themselves don't work and are usually problematic is because we're under the illusion, I'm a separate you, I'm a separate self, and then you're a separate you, and now we're trying to relate. 
it denies the fact that there's already a connection. Mm. What we're actually doing in relationship is remembering the unity and love that already exists and releasing the illusion of separation. Not coming from two separate individuals trying to find connection. That's only perpetuating the fact that we're individual in the first place. Yeah. And then you wonder why relationships don't work very well. Yeah. Right? So, all, so all of these detrimental constructs, when you talk about that golf analogy, it really seems to me he's doing similar thing to what i was expressing before where he's scrambling to the reality in which he does three putt it yeah. accepting it and also there's the so there's the pain of three putting which is you know as you said not ideal especially for a pro golfer yeah but <clears throat> then there's also the pain of you witnessing him three putt it and him being embarrassed that you're yeah. there so there's like multiple different painful scenarios that he has yeah. an aversion towards yeah so by saying that he's trying to put himself in that reality to some degree yeah. to mitigate the potential slap of that reality hitting him yeah when he's believing something else but he's but then in what he's doing is he's creating you know an opening for that reality to exist mm-hmm. you know instead of just accepting it when it comes oh, if i three putt i you know oh so what i'm not going to believe that i'm going to yeah you know, i'm going to believe that i'm going to fucking sink it in yeah. one and that's the self-fulfilling prophecy of the mind in either the either way right you've got yeah. either the, the the vicious cycle or the virtuous cycle right if you want to look at it in terms of an ascending spiral or descending spiral like into our our own detrimental demise and disease you know whether dis-ease psychologically or emotionally or physiologically that is like what i feel we're at this pivotal turning point now where we get to turn into a virtuous cycle in terms of unity uh health improvement yeah. the de- deconstruction of whether it be these you know politicized organizations the healthcare system police you know the way that we can up level it's not it's not the anti something it's the pro something right and i think this right. is where people get so caught up in these polarizing conversations it's not that police are bad it's just that maybe we could improve the system Right? It's not that healthcare is terrible and that we want to get rid of it. No, if you're in a, a like traumatic accident, it's phenomenal. But as it relates to dealing with chronic diseases, it's a pretty archaic system that really doesn't help anyone. It's not about health, it's about managing disease. Does that mean that people who go through seven, eight plus years of study who are committed to being caring care providers are bad people? No, but they're functioning within a system that itself is somewhat redundant. Yeah. So this is where it's an opportunity to, again, upgrade all of our systems, upgrade all of these protocols that we've been stuck within, similar to what you're saying with my golfer, upgrade his narrative about himself that he's somebody who can fuck it up. That's not a very you know, inspiring, aspirational construct to live within. At best, you're going to be doing either what he did with me there, which is be right about your limitation. Well, you know, that's inspiring. Or you're going to be doing everything you can to force yourself out of it. Either way, you're reinforcing it. Yeah. Right. It's the person who has to be a perfectionist as a behavioral adaptation to the belief of inadequacy. Yeah. If they're not perfect, they're not worthy of love. That's the root of perfectionism, right? Yeah. It's that fundamental fear of some form of insecurity or inadequacy. But the inadequacy itself is a construct, aka it's a lie. It's not a truth. It's not who you are. But if you believe that's who you are, you are naturally going to have an adaptation to it. Now, the adaptation invariably is going to be something, hopefully, for the better, right? People pleasing acquiescing to things that maybe somebody says that you can't do because you believe that you're inadequate, becoming a perfectionist to try and compensate, or you can go the negative way, right? Which is I'm a loser and I'm a fair, and then you get into drugs or you become homeless, right? Either way, if you look at both uh, arms of that, one might look better because somebody goes to the gym five days a week and they eat like organic food, 
But internally, they're still being driven by this fear of inadequacy. Conversely, the person who ends up on the street, you know, it looks like, well, wow, that person lost, you know, their life compared to this person over here. But at a very deep rooted place, they're sort of being driven by the same mechanism, mm -hmm. right? It's just an adaptation in different directions. Either way, what I like to point out is that the narratives that are driving thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and consequently all the results that people get are themselves just that, narratives. It's not a truth. My golfer, when he really got, there's nothing wrong with him. He's never failed in his life. Never. No one has. You just did what you did and you got yeah. the outcome. Yeah. But to then personify that as who you are as a failure, well, now you just nailed your foot to the floor and you're going to do everything you can to avoid the repetition of something that's already happened, it's finished, but you keep perpetuating by virtue of your memory and that pain point that you didn't accept, right? So it's really like, again, with one of my MBA guys, like that was a powerful story. I've shared it. I may have shared it with yours um, last podcast. Worst free throw shooter was now under so much pressure, the anxiety, the embarrassment, the 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 responsibility to teammates of not missing, which was really his perpetuation of trying to avoid a bad future that he had yet to accept, which was him embracing his humanity. None of us are perfect. We're going to quote unquote make mistakes and give himself the opportunity to recognize the future's unwritten. There's nothing there other than our projection of it, which for the most part, because the brain is designed to predict and protect, is not a good one, which therefore we're trying to constantly avoid versus recognizing the opportunity that the future is literally a blank canvas. So therefore, if I'm going to be consciously creative, what is the future that I'm aspiring to step into, to your point about the golfer, I'm going to drain this. Now, he may or he may not, but it actually will give him a much greater opportunity, something right. to fulfill upon as opposed to something to avoid. Right. And that's an entirely different way to live life. You know, for me, I'm, I, I have the most extraordinary future. <laughs> <laughs> and where's the evidence? Yeah. <laughs> in my declaration. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then going back to being vibrational beings, how does that make me feel? What's the response in this room is like giggles, laughter, joy. Mm, I'd say that's a much better precursor to a good future than one that is based in anticipation, apprehension, anguish, despair, fear. So if you're not taking CBD, I don't know what you're waiting for. This has exploded onto the market and there's a lot of options, but it's really important to choose the best one. And we wouldn't have come out with it at Onnit if we didn't feel like we were meeting the absolute best of what's available in the market. And that means that there's no THC because a lot of these things, I mean, I've had times where I've tried to have CBD and I ended up getting high as fuck because there was enough THC in there and I'm pretty sensitive to THC that I was like, what is going on? Why am I feeling this way? Well, I was high. And now that's good if you intend to be high, but not good if you don't intend to be high and you just want the benefits of CBD, which is all of the benefits for relaxation, for recovery, to help support the body's response to natural inflammatory causes. There's so many reasons to choose CBD and more research is currently being done. So we came out with that THC-free CBD that also has a patented Vesisorb technology. It's a CO2 extraction, so you get none of the chemicals and it increases the bioavailability. We put it in these really easy to take gel caps so you don't have to fuck with all the tinctures or anything like that. So on its total hemp is just an amazing product and I think you guys are gonna absolutely love it. If you haven't tried CBD, for sure give it a go. And if you're trying CBD from somewhere else, there are some other good companies out there, but definitely give ours a try. And especially, at least for the format of having them in a gel cap, 
which is incredibly convenient to take, put in your own pill packs, add to your daily routine. So go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, check out our total hemp, and of course, save 10%. As always, onnit.com slash Aubrey, I love you. So it seems it seems to me like an analogy that I could use is, do you ever see those Etch-a-Sketches? You know, yeah, where you yeah, like I have the play little, with them as yeah, a kid. Yeah, have the little knobs and you create yeah. this, little, this little drawing or whatever. Hours of wasted time. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so we create these constructs mm-hmm. and, you know, we're just moving these knobs, creating these constructs in our mind. Yeah. It seems that at a certain point, one of the techniques to use is to just shake the Etch-a-Sketch and yeah. just realize that there's nothing there. Do you, Amazing. Ha- do you have a technique for people when they're, let's say you do become aware, like, wow, I have this, I have this construct, this story. Yeah. It's still, I'm still stuck. I'm still trapped by it. I'm not free. What's, what's your kind of Etch-a-Sketch shake? shake? I literally get off the couch. I go over <laughs> to the person. I just <laughs> shake I have them. two by fours on the couch. Um, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful analogy. And I think that's what's going on in society. Like we are collectively as a species, as a globe, being, you know, shook, shaken mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to to the depths of our core. And it's bringing to the surface a lot of trauma, particularly in the male, I think. You know, what we're really looking at is the traumatized male because this is really, I feel, an extension of like, look at some of these other movements, like particularly the Me Too, which is another form of oppression, right? Mm-hmm. That was sort of behind closed doors, similar to what we're seeing with all the abhorrent stuff in the racist um, racism like mm-hmm. conversation. So, you know, it's disgusting and stuff that's disgusting but not seen can't be dealt with. Right. So I think this is a rise of the feminine quality, not feminist as in a female body, yep. but the, the essence of the feminine, which is what? Loving, nurturing, caring, kind, embracing. You know, when we're hurt, invariably as kids, we go to mum. You know, dad might be the logistical, the analytical, the strategic partner in terms of, okay, well, you're hurt, go and be with mum. And then once you feel held and healed, come back to dad and I'll show you how to ride the bike better so you don't fall off and hurt yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we've been so, so dominant in the masculine, you know, the oppression, the control, and it doesn't work very well. It's very destructive. You know, yeah. I don't think there would be many feminine or female essence-driven leaders who would be tearing down the rainforest. You know, they yeah, might I mean. sort of second guess that and go, wait a minute, that's, providing oxygen you know which is i think we need i can't breathe right like you know you see all of these correlations between virus lungs george floyd rainforest impact on the planet you know pollution cyanide you know there's to me there's a thread right Mm -hmm. which is what is the most important part of a human being's existence is the capacity to have prana to breathe Right. Yeah, and not so, be restricted or oppressed or in any withheld way, right. in like any the way at all. On, you know, exactly. The, the energy of oppression. So sort of as a segue, but basically, yes, that whole conflict that is internal, that is being expressed externally, is the shaking. It is like, wake up. You're killing yourselves. You're killing each other. You're killing the planet. It's not the best plan. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to note too that what you're talking about from the feminine archetype, that quality can yeah. be expressed equally in either gender. 
Exactly. That's why it's not the female it's body. Not, it's not actually, it's not no. actually has to do with whatever genitals you have between your legs. These are no. just archetypes that we're using these words to describe. Yes. But it's certainly, yeah, it certainly seems that this is a big shakeup of yeah. the way that the masculine energy itself has, you know, oppressed and tried to control and tried to, yeah. you know, snuff out all of these different attributes of growth, yes. life, love, equality you know nurturing nurturing support right you know all of these different things that yeah that you know we're now seeing like oh shit you know we're out of balance we're yeah. way we're way out of balance here and that goes back to reinforcing what i was saying about i think it's a gift at great expense i'm not right. denying that there's been a lot of suffering along the way and you know for that i have nothing but kindness and compassion and i'm doing whatever i can to support my community you know and do things like this to hopefully give people a greater sense of hope and inspiration and responsibility for their own integrity and where maybe they can improve their own health and their own communities but but it is it is that upgrade it is an evolution into the essence of nurturance and look at it it's mother nature yeah. it's the feminine right you know that is what ultimately sustains all of us you know, being yoked to the sun, which then grows the plants that then whether you're plant-based or you eat animals that eat the plants, that is the, the transference of that energy. But when we're adulterating through GMOs or like the glycinates or whatever it is that gets, you know, the, the roundups that are the sprayed, across, yeah. Yeah, sprayed across all of our crops, right? Yeah. And then they're polluting our rivers and it's contaminating this and that and the air quality. You know, it's like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to go, okay, well, that's probably not good, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And then that is a cascade into the dis-ease psychologically and then physiologically, which then fuels the chemical shitstorm that people are exposed to through, you know, through no fault of their own, but they're being prescribed all of these drugs that then they have to take in order to mitigate, manage the diseases that they're creating because of the precursor to the fact that they don't have a vital lifestyle. But it's very difficult to have a vital lifestyle when the food you're eating is already, you know, contaminated and it's toxic and you're living in an environment that itself is compromised, right? So it's it's just a big cleanup operation <laughs> it's yeah. like everyone get their shit together like let's support each other let's not point fingers it's not about bad pharmaceutical or bad this or no let's like there's an opportunity like there's brilliant minds there's brilliant resources there's brilliant technology what what would the next version of a human being look like who is vital who is loving who is kind who is compassionate who comes from a perspective of unity, not separation, who comes from a perspective of abundance and wealth that is, is ubiquitous. It's not controlling. It's not where I have to fleece the masses in order to feel better about myself. There's basically enough to go around. And that to me is what this is a precursor to. And maybe I'm an idealist. And Well, it's definitely <laughs> the opportunity for that. Yeah. You know, every crisis presents opportunity. You know, I think that I've heard it expressed that the Chinese kanji for uh, you know for crisis also is the same same symbol for opportunity okay, like those, cool. are wo those are yeah, woven yeah. together and that's certainly yeah. the the spot we're in and i think so there's a, a couple parts to this one is it seems like the crux of what you're saying is the necessary first step which i absolutely agree with is awareness yes like we become aware 100%. of all of these different of all of these different qualities and predominantly then, within ourselves yeah within ourselves yeah. of course because yeah. it starts there yeah. you know looking in the mirror hard and yeah. finding any tendencies for any of these different you know excessive dark masculine qualities that we've been talking about again talking about the, yeah. the archetype of this the archetype of oppression control 
dominance, greed, all of these different attributes. Judgment, like, disease. Like mm -hmm. who doesn't say, oh, you're a fucking idiot to themselves at some point. What right. is that? That is the energy of judgment, oppression. It is the yeah. antithesis of love and acceptance. Yeah. Sorry. So become aware of that. Then yeah. <clears throat> what's the next step beyond like, what's the next step beyond the awareness, mm -hmm. you know, where you're just like, all right, like I'm aware of this. Yeah. And then where do, where do people go from there? Especially as it concerns like the inner universe. Oh, I, know, I wasn't expecting us to get that far. <laughs> you haven't written that part of your book. Damn it. How am I no. going to finish mine if you don't answer that question? You just want all the answers. <laughs> um, no, it's a beautiful question. And it really is usually the very sort of natural next step. One word, practice. So it's awareness, practice. And what mm. am I practicing? I'm practicing what I become aware of. I'm practicing, so in my golfer situation, practicing the awareness of the fact that he had a tendency to self-sabotage by virtue of the deep-seated belief that he thought he was a failure or someone who could make a mistake. Who would you be in the absence of that constraint? Who would you be in the absence of that fear? Oh my God, I'd play so free. Great, practice that. Hmm. So just think about, it. you go for an instructor, like you and I play tennis, right? Like, yep. So you know, let's say you took a lesson or golf or whatever anyone's into. You look at yourself through the eyes of a peer, another aspect of you. You think it's another human being, but it's really life providing a different perspective of you for you, which is, it goes back to my thing about relationships and the beauty of listening and getting other people's perspective. The instructor, the teacher, the guide points out something that you're oblivious to. Like for me, I have a tendency with my golf swing, for example, to pull the club very deep on the inside, which is a compensation for the fact that I'm trying to draw the ball. Mm -hmm. So way that I survived is like, oh, if I keep bringing it inside, then I can stay on the inside. But it actually was like most of these compensations we do it was having the opposite effect. So when somebody looks at my swing, because I can't see myself, the beauty again of reflection through others, he points out something. I'm like, oh my God, like, and shows me on video even like, wow, what, what is that? That is awareness. Great. So now what do I have to do? I go to the range and I practice this new movement. He might give me a drill. He might give me a visual, whatever it is that we can use to actually integrate that which we've just become aware of. Now, this is why th the work that I do particularly, and that you're obviously passionate about and help people with, takes something. It takes something for people to get beyond these deep-seated habits, which oftentimes are way before your lifetime, right? The inheritance of narratives, the belief structures from religion to the, you know, the racism stuff that's going on right now, that kid wasn't born with that perspective. That was something that was taught. It was yep. inherited. So there's a lot of gravity to these things for people to be able to transcend and get beyond and realize the actual pretense of that, the, the lie of the inadequacies, insecurity, scarcities. So that's the awareness. And then it does take something. It takes commitment. It takes practice to break these habits. Now, there's a sliding scale because sometimes somebody's gotten to a point, and I feel we are collectively at this point, where the trauma and the cost and the impact of living within the lies of constraint and separation and inadequacy is so damaging it is so painful that the awareness, the catalyst is sufficient to go, I'm done with that, right? It might take a guy to have the heart attack for him to actually revisit his lifestyle 
even though he'd had milestones along the way of like getting on the scale and like wow i'm five foot eight and i'm like 260 pounds you know and like getting messages from his care providers and his doctors of like you know what you you know your cholesterol's very high but that wasn't enough to do it it took something dramatic for him to go you know what I'm done with the fast foods and the shitty, you know, whatever it is that I'm putting into my system. So there can be a catalyst that the awareness itself is sufficient to make the habitual change instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Some that are a little bit like less um, dramatic in terms of their cost to us, it just takes a little bit of time. And that's where we need patience. We need forgiveness. We need to be gentle with ourselves. But that is the that is phase two. I can't take you to phase three today. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let's talk about this on a personal level. Okay. So I've you know I experienced a lot of sadness, frustration, you know, and a lot of beauty and a lot of like amazing experiences. But mm -hmm. some part of me is still attached to these kind of depressive, melancholic, you know, kind of expressions of myself, mm -hmm. even when things are actually going great. Yeah, you know, like so. So it seems like it's hard for me to let go of this aspect of my past, which has been woven and tied in a bunch of bow ties around my identity. Yeah. As well, I'm. I just have you know these kind of melancholic, you know, nature that, yeah. that kind of I can burst through for periods, but I always kind of settle back to this. Yeah. And there's really no reason for it. Yeah. You know, there's. It's just. It seems like it's something that I'm dragging from the you know graveyard of my past yes. into this into this present reality mm -hmm. where it doesn't even make sense anymore right but i'm still doing it yeah. so like what is the practice what is the practice of kind of untying these knots that you would recommend for me? um it's beautiful and i'm glad that you you know as like last time willing to share something yeah. about yourself so if you look at the way that you phrased it right like this melancholic like energetically what does that represent like how does that feel in the body shitty Shitty for sure, but in terms of like, I'm looking for like a weight, right? There's uh, yeah, a heaviness to it. Damp and heavy. Yeah, right? So, you know, that falls into what we could say the bucket of depression. Mm -hmm. And the, the, two, the two predominant emotions that humans deal with are anxiety and depression, right? And then mm -hmm. there you've got the sort of the bedfellows or the, the, the ancillary sort of emotions that go with that. So we look at yours, depression. Well, if we were to associate either of them with time, Depression is a past-based emotion. Anxiety is a future-based, right? So your tendency, therefore, what I hear immediately is, okay, one, you're going to have mimicked that at some level. I'm not denying that you've got your own versions of heaviness, mm -hmm. but often one of the greatest you know, ways that we learn as humans is by mimicking mm -hmm. our care providers, our parents, whoever it is, people that we aspire to or we look up to. So at one level, there may be a lineage because you said it's almost like it feels like this graveyard version, which could actually be prior to you, right? Like yeah. then maybe there was a tendency. And again, I'm- My dad. I'm, okay, there you go. So there may be a depression that is a lineage mm -hmm. that you have energetically inherited. No different to somebody saying, oh, well, I'm Christian. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you're not. <laughs> and, that, you know, going to get a lot of DMs now. Uh, <laughs> You may subscribe to the tenets of Christianity, which is beautiful, and that's a choice. But if you're declaring yourself as that, you're actually now you're stuck, and that's going to create more segregation and separation. And invariably, it's not something you chose. It was something you inherited because your parents were. 
None of which is wrong, but let's just understand the mechanics of what's actually going yeah. on, right? So likewise, so if your dad, you're telling me he had a depressive tendency or he struggled with depression. So you're in a household where energetically you're exposed to that. Not good or bad. It's just like, you know, if you grew up in Madrid, you're going to learn to speak Spanish. Why? Because you're exposed to that, mm -hmm. right? So, so, okay, great. So we can see there's that part. So there may be a predisposition and, you know, somebody might even from a perspective of genetics say, okay, well, you've got certain makeup that has a tendency towards that in, in terms of chemistry, chemicals. And then we can look at, okay, what else, aside from that which you've inherited, is more personal to you? Now, we got a glimpse of it in our last podcast, right? Which hopefully people, will, if they haven't seen it, they'll revisit it because it was very yeah, powerful. Please do. Where you recognized that you put so much pressure on yourself and we cited a particular game when you were 17 and you were pulled out at the end and the guy that replaced you gave up a basket to the guy that you were defending. Yep. Um, and that subsequent to that event, you'd put a lot of pressure on yourself. What does that create? That's a heaviness too, mm -hmm. right? So now oh, well, we're seeing a bit of a trend here, right? Mm -hmm. So it is the energy of oppression itself, which is something I've been talking a lot about helping people is to see, okay, yes, it's, it's easy to look out there and blame police or blame government or whatever is going on. But where is that energy of oppression, judgment, even violence? It might not be physical, but violent to oneself within you. Because collectively, we are the sum of the individual parts, right? If we look at the debt of a nation, in a very big part, it is a reflection of the debt of the hundreds of millions of people mm. if you carry debt on your credit card and you're one person of 300 million then collectively it doesn't take again a rocket scientist to recognize okay well the nation is in debt right so likewise for you recognizing where is that heaviness the oppression the judgment that you have of self that is a bedfellow of the depression that you saw in your dad now you're smiling so something's maybe coming to mind well i'm just i'm just recognizing that this is this is a form of oppression of self yeah i think that's where the smile came from is this i just felt the key turn in a lock where nice. it's like recognizing like all right this is this judgmental oppressive energy that yeah. i'm that i'm feeling that i learned yeah but that i'm continuing to exacerbate out of habit yeah but it gives me like seeing where it's coming from then lets me say all right well what's the opposite of that then if it's judgment Great. if it's yeah all of these different things well what's the opposite of that well well before we go right. there because you're a quick study and <laughs> you know you've been in my presence once before so you kind of know how the story ends but <laughs> there's a succinct way to get there okay, right which go. is so what is the antithesis instead of looking at it as the opposite what is the reaction to oppression well it, it oftentimes is anger or aggression yeah defiance mm -hmm. which again we're seeing on the collective right yeah so now within you, without spending a lot of time with you, I could guess that at times you get pissed or you get angry, may not be overt, maybe towards self. Usually. But that, first of all, we've got to recognize the duality of oppression that then creates the equal and opposite reaction of aggression, defiance, and frustration. So now you're in this battle, which is the war within, you know, which is now expressed in the world outside because you take again, Billions of people who have their own version to varying degrees and you put them all on a ball of mud floating through space, you know, well, then that ball of mud is it's got a lot of that energy. Mm -hmm. 
So this is beautiful because it may seem a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking and looking for? Um, uh, you know, not self-righteous, but like I would assert that even in sitting in this conversation, we're healing the planet, <laughs> right? Because if you can, if we can together in this conversation, mitigate, offset, reconcile some of the oppression that you have, maybe all of the oppression, mm -hmm. then that's a little bit that is now removed from the collection. Yeah, we're stealing marbles from the giant palette of marbles of oppression. Yes. You know, we're taking our own little, our own little part. Amazing. So, so now if we, now we've got like similar to this, it's a little bit uneven, but like, you know, the yin and the yang of this like mm -hmm. mat, the white and the, the black, that is the conversation out there, the oppression and the defiance. So the defiance is a reaction. The oppression is what inspires it. So if we want to go to the root cause, it's okay to be angry. Like when you go near a dog and it growls or it tries to bite you, the instantaneous human reaction is like, oh, wow, that dog's an ass or like that's a bad dog. But if you knew its history and the fact that it had an owner previously who hit the dog and so now it's collapsed, someone coming near it as a potential threat, you would have compassion and I'd say, oh, wow, it's not a bad dog. It's been conditioned to protect itself mm -hmm. based on oppression. So, and I want to come back to a great video that just popped to mind that people will really enjoy uh, that really highlights this. So what we want to recognize is that within Aubrey, there is this duality and there is this battle. The defiance, the anger, which is a reaction to the oppression. So you have learned oppression. You've learned self-judgment. It is part of your conversation. And these, to me, are the real insidious killers of any human being. It is in that world of should, have to, need, must. Like Those words are the biggest killers over time to any human being. Why I assert as a human species, we are exhausted. People's adrenals are shot. People are unfulfilled in their marriages, in their relationships, in their workplace, because they're under constant, constant ideation of pressure. I have to, I should. So can you locate in you, in your dialogue, any of that oppressive language? Of course. And, and it, what comes to mind is, and I want to get this out because I think it's really important, I have a deep attachment to an identity as someone who is, as my spiritual mentor Don Howard said, para el bien de todos, dedicated for the good of all. And, yeah. and that has an external validation signature of mm -hmm. that i'm actually creating in my own mind of what that looks like yes based on my own because i know i had a head start you can call that privilege that's the word that's yeah. being used right now and yeah i think that really should be looked at as like an n, n equals one but mm -hmm. i can acknowledge it in myself fuck yeah i was privileged i mm -hmm. had all of the resources all of the abilities and i've always felt that yeah. and so i think to kind of justify like everything that i've been given which has been enormous i've said all right well I have to I have to accomplish something really great and yeah. that really great has some external marker yes. that I've made up in my mind that's always it's always elusive no matter what I accomplish it's always a little bit farther and it's a little bit farther and yeah. I'm never quite there and I'm never quite doing enough yeah. and I'm constantly judging myself and holding my, which is actually limiting me from doing the very best that I fucking can I'm like the 100% I'm just constantly dampening myself because I'm saying that I'm not doing enough I'm not good enough I'm not helping enough I'm not I'm not reaching my potential. Yeah. And, and that's actually the thing that's limiting me from reaching my potential. Amazing. It's what I call chasing horizons. Yeah. Right? You can never get there. 
so so beautifully articulated and if you listen to the language you say i have to whether it is you know transform the planet and make a difference and especially with the backdrop of this privileged lifestyle you know i've worked with a lot of people who did have beautiful resourceful like full f-u-l-l lives um who then feel the sort of the weight and the burden of like wow i better make sure that i do something with my life because otherwise you know i really effed up right <laughs> right but that language feel into it and i'm using this word very you know a very with with conscious choice it's abusive agreed now why i use it is because you look at the abhorrent behaviors that are happening out there that are abusive disgusting as an extension of the essence of the energy that is prevalent and present within every human being so what is the opportunity for real healing it is to recognize to expose to bring awareness phase one to where am i abusive where do I carry the energy of abuse within myself? Where do I carry the energy of oppression, of judgment within myself? To which I am naturally going to have, what we see on the other side, the defiance, the depression, because that interchange is heavy. It creates weight. You know, when I help people with procrastination, this is the dynamic we're talking about. Why am I not realizing my potential? Because you're in conflict with the judgment of yourself. And then the apathetic response of defiance, either you go angry or you go withdrawn. Mm. Right? Fight, flight, or freeze. Think about it, right? Fight, anger, flight, run away, fucking ignore it, you know, skip town. I'm not going to deal with it. Freeze, complete apathy and procrastination. Mm -hmm. You tend to probably be more in the fight bracket just because of your constitution, but it's still a byproduct of the oppression, the dialogue, the narrative that you have, which is self-inflicting. And it's not your fault. It's a mechanistic approach. It's human, which is to say that there is something fundamentally wrong with who you are and what you're doing. So now we can start to get to where you were getting to. <laughs> but first, I just want you to presence that because it's very real for you, right? Yeah. And there's massive costs, not only in terms of, as you said, your capacity to make a difference, which we highlighted last time beautifully, what's really hit a nerve for you is that you genuinely care about people and you really want to make a difference. But in the space of the construct that you're always letting people down, that is completely thwarted, yeah. right? At best, you're maybe improving people, but because you really want to make a difference, but you're too busy beating the shit out of yourself. And again, I'm using a broad stroke. You're not doing it every day, mm -hmm. but that energy is still present within you your ability to truly impact change is completely compromised because you're too busy being right about the fact that you're not doing enough. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it is. Have another drink or take another <laughs> pill, or, you know, right? Yeah. So now this is so beautiful because I guarantee there's not one person out there by virtue of the fact that they're human who can't relate to this mechanism within themselves to whatever mm -hmm. degree, to the heights of insanity where they're really taking that and superimposing on others and abusing others, or to the fact that they're just a recluse who is just living in a complete like state of stagnation because they're too scared to get out there because they're just a failure. And what's the point? They've completely resigned themselves to the fact that they've got nothing to offer because they've got a dialogue about themselves, which itself is completely judgmental and abusive. Yeah. But it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I know for sure is everybody can transcend a conversation. <laughs> so is it true, Aubrey, that there is something, anything that you should do? Yes or no? 
I yes know or no? the right going answer. Into a story. You're the right answer <laughs> is no. You know, the listen. right answer is no. Right. Thank you. It's a hard answer for me to give. The, 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 it's a hard answer for the part of you that is habitually conditioned to believe that you yep. should be. Agreed. It's not for you. For you, it is a liberating answer. For the real you beneath the surface of the narrative that you've inherited, reinforced over time for three, four decades, it is a conflict to what you currently believe. It is nonetheless the truth of what is on the other side of the construct you've been stuck within, for which reason it's emancipation. Absolutely. Beautiful. So now stick with me. In the absence of the belief that there's anything that you should do, feel into the energy of it. In the absence of the belief there's anything you have to do, what becomes available in the way that you feel, we got a glimpse, and what becomes available for you and what becomes possible? The feeling is a, it's a feeling of effervescence where the other was damp and heavy. This is like bubbles in a champagne glass. It's like rising without any effort at all. Yeah. And from that, I can also feel the magic of my brain coming alive and the magic of creativity and all of these different things yeah. that are associated with that kind of energy, that freedom, that liberation from this heaviness. Yeah is now all available because I'm excited, I'm inspired, I'm Amazing. fired up. And yeah. and it's just it's really remarkable, you know, and I think what you were saying is so important that it's really remarkable how we're attached to certain aspects of ourselves that we want to prove as correct yeah. that are not serving us. Yeah, not at all. It's quite the antithesis. So this is beautiful you know, you're you're such a joy to be with. You're such a great listener, apart from the fact you didn't quite answer my question. <laughs> You'll be a better listener. Um, so, so it is really such a a gift to one be with you because of your audience and the impact that I hope this has, but also for people to recognize that just by design, the human aspect of us is built to be in conflict, to create resistance. And it's a very detrimental, disease-ridden approach to being human. It denies our vitality. It cuts off our aliveness. The world doesn't need Aubrey Marcus to do more shit for it. It doesn't. What the world is desperately craving is a human being who embodies the essence of love and peace of self. <laughs> So you just sitting with me, it gave just, I mean, it just gave me tingles. <laughs> you sitting with me in the last five minutes, I would assert is more profound and palpable and powerful and the impact that you just made compared to two decades of you striving to do something externally that might make people's lives better. Because energetically, the resonance of what you just embodied and that will take practice to live from is what we crave as a species. Is a man, particularly a man, particularly a white man, who is not coming from the energy of oppression, judgment, self-loathing, that then is being met with the defiance of anger and frustration and control, but rather transcends all of that and comes from a place of self-acceptance, of humanity, of kindness, of gentleness to self, of love and unity with self and other. That is the precursor to an entirely different type of human and consequently an entirely different society. Amen. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> the proverbial mic has been dropped. Man. <laughs> It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, it's it, like I always it, get so much out of you know talking to you on these podcasts, and I know so many people do as well. As I was saying earlier, yeah, you know the last podcast we did, I've had more people 
reach out and say how impactful that was for them to yeah to drop in so just thank you for everything you do man dude thank you for being just a living example of what everyone's craving and really really like i just i'm excited as much as there's a lot of housekeeping to be done here i really am excited for what this is the birth of to go full circle to how we started this it is the death of an era it is the death yeah. of archaic models both internally externally that don't serve who we're becoming it doesn't serve the capacity of a human being and who we can be in our vitality and our compassion and our unity and our capacity to work together. That, that is the exciting frontier that we're on. Mm -hmm. But it is the painful death process. And ask any mother, the birth process ain't easy either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. But it is the joy of, the miracle of life itself. And what we just went through, I truly hope, is a snapshot. Uh, trailer of coming attractions for what we can find within ourselves, which is this grace, this ease, this serenity, this sense of true peace that we are humans doing the best we can. And for that reason, we can be kind to each other. No one's perfect. No one's got all their shit together. We're all masterpieces and works in progress, as I tell people. And to meet each other where we're at without the dialogue of abusive judgment, self-loathing, oppression, all of the rest of it, that that is something that i'm excited to be a part of oh, and yeah. um would make for a much more joyous human experience i agree uh tell people for a second about your course free your mind just a, oh, just okay. a little yeah. snippet of like what that initial question was because i think that's pretty compelling yeah so that i was going to come back to thank you so the um yeah so the the, the course is my first one which has been pretty exciting that's mm -hmm. something that i hadn't had um just called free your mind and so there's two main components to it. There's something called insights, which is where I just speak through some of these distinctions, like what is the ego? Why do we have suffering? Why do we struggle? Why do we you know, have these relationship woes? And then there's a series of questions that I take people through. You know, what is the fundamental concern? Because really what we are trying to do is survive, right? Every being wants to survive. And we have this incredible brain, which is always looking to predict and protect so that we can survive. But as you've just seen, it's invariably the greatest obstacle to our vitality. So really, I'm helping to delineate what are some of these mechanistic ways that as humans we function and what becomes available on the other side of that, which you've just tapped into a little bit with freedom and liberation of like, wow, who would I be if I didn't think that I constantly had to do something? Mm -hmm. Then the other part, which... I find to be phenomenal to watch, even though it's coming from me, is I work with four people I've never met before. So similar to you, but in a much deeper dive, they come to me, they've never met me before, with whatever they think their problems are, from a kid who left his East Coast family with very traditional values to explore his dreams in LA, but was constantly being you know, badgered by them because he should come home and have a nine to five, and you know, him then confronting his his betrayal, his feeling of inadequacy, he's not enough, he hasn't made it yet, you know, taking people through the process of liberation and finding their freedom on the side and then the other side of their concern. Mm -hmm. So they're the two main components. And then there is a third part if people want to get into it, which is a conference call that I do once a month. Yeah. Um, so that's, cool. so I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. That's great. Well, it gives people access to yeah. be able to kind of liberate themselves, which is really what we're here for. Absolutely. I mean, that that to me really is why I love, love you and I love these conversations is, I, the expression I use is life is not about perfecting circumstance. It's about evolving spiritually. Yep. And you just gave a glimpse to your audience and for yourself of what does it mean to evolve beyond the current version of yourself. Part of you just died. Congratulations. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, 
cut it. It was point. hard. I didn't want it to die. It was my, <laughs> my abuser was my friend, uh, Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is that, that, you know, that sense of possibility, newfound opportunity, the birth of something new. Yeah. Um, I just, because I said, I'd say it. Um, there's a video that I'd love people to check out. It's called Step Inside the Circle. And whew, boy, is it moving because it's a woman and I forget her name, but boy, do I tip my cap to her where she goes into prisons. She has the inmates stand in a huge circle and I don't want to be a spoiler alert and give it all away, but she asks a series of questions. How many of you grew up in a family with one parent? Step in, take one step. And so she asks a series of questions where every time there's a yes to the question, they have to step inside the circle. And boy, is it revealing about the people that we judge, that we incriminate, that we say yeah. are bad. You see the correlation between those who are in the circle who were absent from the experience of love and nurturance that we were talking about earlier. It is a direct correlation. Hmm. They never got to learn the language of love. They learned the language of survival, of violence, of neglect, of dismissiveness, of abuse. Yeah. So are they bad people or are they conditioned to act in a way that is a reflection of the, the environment in which they were raised? So, you know, and this is what we're doing right now is we're revealing our own conditioning, how we've all been raised primarily, you know, meaning it's human, it's generational personally in our own lives and what becomes available to each of us on the other side of the constraints that create all of this internal angst and hopefully you know as we become more aware of that we can shift these structures that are not actually looking at what the root cause of all of these different issues yeah. are they're just trying to apply some old construct that maybe used to work in the days yeah. of Hammurabi you know mm -hmm. like all mm -hmm. right, you do this, we'll cut off your hand. You know, yeah. we're still in, in some modified version of that. Yeah. You know, you steal something, we'll cut off your hand model, but right. it's not working. No, what's required, and again, it sounds very ethereal slash esoteric poetic, is like, you know, just more love and acceptance, right? Like the model of disease care has got nothing to do with pro-health, right? And this is why I got into Ayurveda, which is part of my practice. We don't treat diseases. We treat people. So it goes back to what I said. If we see this as a massive opportunity for, wow, we have a diseased mm. both places, mentally, emotionally, and physically. We have a diseased, diseased society. Wow, what an opportunity. We could become a vital, a healthy, a robust emotionally, physically, and uh, uh, psychologically society. At which point, anything that's exogenous, whether it's a virus or any threat, we get to deal with in a really beautiful, graceful way versus as a reactive way of like, oh, kill, kill, kill. And we're sanitizing the, the streets of Italy. Yeah. You know, it's just that's that is asinine. I'm yeah. sorry to use the word. It's just it makes no sense. It just is. Uh, it's, it's an ignorant approach. Not wrong. No judgment. Ignorant meaning the absence of knowing. Like I'm ignorant to speaking Swedish. Right? Yeah. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Yeah. And for people who want like another example of that, Travis Christofferson wrote a book called The Metabolic Theory of Cancer, Tripping Over the Truth. Uh -huh. And it's what he's what the hypothesis is, which came from Dr. Otto Warburg a long time ago, is that cancer is the byproduct of a metabolic dysfunction. Yes. So if you actually support the metabolic system, like 
rehabilitate the mitochondria, then you'll actually treat the cancer effectively by actually supporting the body rather than, you know, war, 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 war on cancer, war on this, chemo, war, war, war. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting way to kind of reframe even one of these things, which we've been conditioned through the construct. This is a war, war on cancer. Yeah. What about like supporting the body? And the same against it's the virus is the enemy. You right. know, it's it, it, even crazier. It's it's got a nationality apparently. It's a Chinese virus. <laughs> Remember all of that? Like it's just it's it's nonsensical and using the language of battle, right? Yeah. Versus what if you know this is this is maybe too late in the conversation to really start. But what if I could love the virus, right? Wow. Yeah, I part mean, three. <laughs> part three. Peter comes back. But it's so powerful because recognize like what happens in fight. We go into brace, you go into impact, you go into tension, which is resistance, which is whether it's your your ability to breathe in your lungs constricted, your circulatory system, your digestive system, everything that clamps down is stagnation and death. Versus the opening is the elite the release, the flow. Right. Like think about even something every day for a lot of women, particularly constipation. Right. Mm -hmm. That is where there is not a natural, healthy, vital flow of food that you eat, digest, metabolize, waste products, release. Right. That is really just the flow of sustaining life. But if I'm in a state of embrace, not embrace, but brace, you know, where I'm in conflict with, I'm holding tension towards, I'm trying to avoid, I'm now stuck. I'm not allowing something to flow through me. And this is a whole nother conversation I have with cancer. Like the fight against cancer is the perpetuation of cancer because fighting energetically, emotionally is the precursor to the disengagement of cells that now run mutant because they're like in conflict with quote unquote you, you know, your body. So that, that whole paradigm of fight, it's, it's, it's done. Yeah, like, that which like, you resist persists, and it yeah, doesn't mean you can't take. Doesn't mean you can't take some practical measures. Or you can't get treated. Yeah. We're not trying. We're not no. saying any of that. But just talking about the energetics of how we yes. approach this stuff, and really to sum this all up, love your shit. Love your shit. Love your shit. Literally, slide and, and metaphysically down a with <laughs> yeah, spikes and fuck all. it. Yeah, oh, I love, love this. it. Can I go again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It love. Love is the embrace of what is yeah. right, and and that that would make for a very different experience of being self being other and being with the planet which is kindness love acceptance compassion unity versus resistance and just just that versus that oh beautiful uh My peter, man. peter crone official is, did i get that uh, right? yes his instagram petercrone.com yeah. his website and um yeah just a joy to be with you again thank you for Always having me brother. on and uh much love, so much love to everybody out there who has got their own version of what you just shared because we all do. Kindness, gentleness, you know, your oppression's not gonna go overnight, but just notice it and go, wow, why am I beating the shit out of myself? I'm the only me and that warrants some reverence as far as I'm concerned. No doubt, no doubt. So much love to everybody. Thank you, peace. Thank you so much for tuning in to myself and Peter Crone. Make sure you go back if you haven't already and listen to the last podcast we did. It's equally as illuminating and incredible. And check out everything that Peter does. He's really one of the absolute leaders in this space. So I love you guys. Thank you so much. And keep a lookout for the opening for trimester three for Fit for Service. So go to aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service because the fellowship 
is strong and thriving and I'm more impressed with this group of individuals every fucking day. I just got off the calls with them today and there's just so many amazing heartfelt stories. I feel like there's a tribe of people that can share absolutely anything that they're going through and be received and be held. And there's all of these experiences popping up led by other members. It's just phenomenal what's happening there. So I hope you guys give it a look give it a chance to see if this is something that calls to you. So once again, that's going to be opening up officially next week, but you can go there now, aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service.